Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy In this episode, we take up the appearance of Spider-Man in Spider-Man Homecoming. Because That's What Heroes Do is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy. In this episode, Megan and I take up Spider-Man Homecoming. And if you haven't done so, please check out one or more of the first 17 Popcorn and Compliance, the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Popcorn and Compliance, all on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special live recording of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU Universe. Uh, We are back with our continuing challenge, which is to review the entire MCU. Why? Well, number one, it's there. Two, uh, along with my co-host, Megan Doherty, uh, we're both MCU Uber fans and Uber geeks, so we're going to continue our exploration in chronological order and not by release date. Today, we are continuing with Spider-Man Homecoming. So, I'm Tom Fox, the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and the voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and host of the business podcast Blueprint Show. And uh, I was pretty excited to watch Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Tom, I hadn't seen any of the uh, kind of Spider-Man movies in the MCU universe. Um, I hadn't been a big Spider-Man fan since I was you know, in grade four, I think. I do have a good story about that, though. Um, so what did you think of uh, this new Tom Holland, Peter Parker, Spider-Man iteration? Uh, well, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Tom Holland is great, uh, although I thought uh, Tobey Maguire uh, was great. Um, the um, you know I hate watching movies about teen angst because <laughs> then I have to think about all the teen angst I had. And uh, he's got a lot of teen angst, um, girls, himself, his 
he doesn't have parents, so he's got Aunt May. Um, he's got his friends. He's trying to figure out what he wants to do, where he wants to go to college. He's trying to keep good grades. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, the movie uh, was a, it was great. The action was great. The scenes were great. Mm-hmm. The Washington Monument was great. Um, the interplay between he and Liz, his uh, putative girlfriend, <laughs> were great. Uh, MJ was great. Uh, I liked MJ a lot. In this. Liked MJ a lot. Yeah. So um, uh, it was just a ton of fun. And um, even with um, um, Andrew Garfield was also played Spider-Man, and I enjoyed him as well. Um, one of the difficulties that I think they really handled well was the story is so well known about how he becomes Spider-Man. And uh, you mentioned the fourth grade. Well, I can remember the 60s <laughs> cartoon series, and we all watched that. And um, probably can still sing the theme song. Oh, but yeah, the- he's got radioactive blood. That's He's radioactive <laughs> love. Uh, but the fight scenes he has with the bullies at school, uh, they're all pretty well-known tropes in the Spider-Man uh, backstory. And we really didn't have to go through all of that here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have to go through um, the, uh, the death of his uncle, uh, which is always a pretty uh, poignant moment in any, any Spider-Man movie or comic book. Um <laughs> And uh, so I thought they uh, they were able to handle that. Kind of dropped him mid mid universe into the um, into the MCU. So, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I mean, the first was a, a, a lovely hit of nostalgia um, because I mean, I, I didn't catch the original run of the 1960s Spider Man, of course. But when I was in grade four or five, um, after school. Uh, if my dad got home from work soon enough, we could catch a double feature at five o'clock of the 1960s Spider-Man than the Adam West 1960s Batman. And we would do that every day he could get home in time before dinner. <laughs> so like, it, 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 I thought they really captured, especially some of, some of the way Spider-Man moved, really kind of, it, it hit me like that old animation style uh, and the way he would land on things and just the, the type of web slinging he was doing. Uh, so I, I loved that. And it just it made me feel good. And the very opening, did you catch that redo of the theme song that they did? It was sounded yes. so good, updated like that. So that, that made me super happy. Um, and as, you know, a teenage superhero, um, I like that they made him kind of, kind of goofy and dorky and unsure, but like ultimately just trying to, to find his way. Cause Often you get teenage superheroes and they're way too mature and they're way too competent and they they like they're just like grim dark and I thought I liked the lighthearted goofiness of Peter Parker who really wants to do a good job just not quite sure about what to do a good job for or why or or to, who to impress I, I thought it was lovely um, another great villain uh, in this movie uh, the the vulture uh, you know who had such a sympathetic origin story, like so many of the villains in, uh, in the MCU, you know, contractor gets a good government job. Government comes in and just stomps on his business, completely ruining him. That's a really relatable thing. And you know, how he got into a life of petty crime was, was totally understandable. Of course, he got much more evil. Um, but I like the ambiguity around the villain. Um, and of course his relationship with Tony Stark, my heart, <laughs> my heart, <laughs> So I have to say I had some ambivalence about that because it's clear, you know, Tony wants to do this. 
He feels like he needs to do it, but he also has no clue how to do it. Like, like be a, be a mentor kind of dad figure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, some of the dialogue I thought where he, Tony plays clearly, I don't want to say an adult, but someone older than Peter Parker, but it's the same sort of, uh, witty repartee that he tries to lay on him. And sometimes I don't think Peter Parker or a teenager would really understand what he was saying or why he was doing, uh, like why he took the suit away, why if he was given the suit, couldn't he try to be a uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, if not a superhero, uh, with uh, particularly around the action on the uh, Staten Island Ferry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it's Tony has the bigger picture in mind and, and Spider-Man really doesn't. But um, really, uh, I was kind of ambivalent all that. It's Tony's trying. He just, just doesn't have a clue. And uh, so well, that he's whole ha- happy to take on a lot of the day-to-day management of, of Spider-Man, right? Like he doesn't merit a lot of Tony Stark's, St- Tony Stark's attention. He gets, he gets the assistant's attention. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, happy really wants to have nothing to do with him. And uh, so that's another point of frustration for uh, Peter Parker. Because mm-hmm. he's, um, I mean, he's like a 15-year-old boy, right? And I remember, I think, being in middle school, and my uncle told me, uh, Megan, there, there is no creature in on earth more unpleasant and disgusting than a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> and, and looking back, maybe as a, as a 12-year-old girl, that might have been true. But like looking back, oh, he's so well-meaning. He's trying so hard. <laughs> he wants to be good. But he's a 15-year-old boy, and as Aunt May says, he smells bad. Sometimes he's just gotta gotta be where he's at. It's like when my daughter was thirteen and broke up with her fourteen year old boyfriend because he was quote emotionally immature. My response was, "Honey, he's fourteen. He has peaked. It don't get no better than that for boys." Uh, and she didn't quite understand what grasp what I was trying to tell her. Nevertheless, uh, I think uh, you're onto something. The other thing that took me a while to get used to, I've come around because she's such a great actress as Aunt May. Because in every other iteration, Aunt May is much more matronly. Aunt May is not hot. And if there is one thing Marisa Tomei is, it is hot. And she's been hot for a long time. I don't know how old she is now, but she is still hot. Uh, They make reference to her hotness uh, throughout this series. Um, But she's a great actress, so she pulls it off with a plum. And uh, so that's an interesting kind of change as well. Yeah, and I think, I, I guess, I mean, I, I agree. I think it was great they didn't go deep into the backstory of, you know, how he became, got the spider bite and the, the death of Uncle Ben. Um, I, I liked Aunt May. I liked that she was a little bit younger and a little more relatable um, to, to Peter and, and his friends. And I, I don't know, maybe Aunt stuff is, is hitting me hard. This is some news. I just found out I'm going to be Aunt this fall thrice over so anything about ants i'm very into right now <laughs> but uh I, I i like the way she was able to kind of meet peter at his level and of course the very the end reveal where she catches him <laughs> putting on the outfit is just like what no was not having a teenage boy in my house that i'm responsible for enough what do i have to deal with now was i just think a great a great way to frame that right um so you know, the action, once again, was fabulous. Uh, the flying scenes uh, with the villain were great. Um, Stark Tower, uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned the Washington Monument. Uh, I mean, I got queasy 
watching that scene. Uh, one, where he climbs up the Washington Monument. Two, when he gets to the top and he looks over, I had to look away uh, <laughs> just from that. Uh, it was just uh, really well done. When the helicopter flies up next to it, I, I assume, <clears throat> obviously they had to get permission to do that, but it was really well done and just action-packed kind of throughout. I didn't actually know that the Washington Monument, you could go inside of it. I thought it was just the big pole. <laughs> I didn't realize how big it was. <laughs> I didn't and know it was a tourist attraction that you could actually ride up and down like the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> you Canadians have led such a sheltered <laughs> life. So sheltered. <laughs> I thought it was a big stick in the ground. Okay. <laughs> that too, that too. But um, there was even a nod to uh, when uh, I think – MJ asked, was it built with slave labor and the park ranger kind of, you know. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was a a nice touch I had not seen before. Well, were there any Easter eggs in this that uh, you particularly liked, Megan? Um, I got, uh, I had a couple of them. Um, I think my absolute favorite of all of them was the Captain America school videos that they are watching in the gym and in detention. Like they're they're funny and they're just exactly the right tone. But can you imagine how much the other Avengers must have ragged him on that for? Oh, absolutely brutal. And uh, one little one I thought was great, and this was towards uh, the end when Happy is getting the plane loaded up right before the final in air boss fight scene. Uh, and Happy's talking about the things that they're packing up, and there was uh, the R and D, the new tech that they were developing for Thor, but also Captain America, even though they were in a fight. And I thought that was great. So even though you know the Avengers are currently split when this is taking place, um, you know Iron Man is still making sure that everyone is going to have the latest tech when they inevitably get back together. Um, so I, I love that. Uh, and let's see, I, I, just a little shout out to Ned, the best friend, uh, was I think. Uh, as, as a generally behind the scenes person uh, who, who worked, you know, behind the scenes of podcasting and a lot of things like that desire to be the guy in the chair, pulling the strings, making it happen when he finally got that at the end guy in the chair that I felt that in my soul. That was, he's a great best friend, super friendly uh, and so supportive. What about, what about some of you? Did you have good cookies that you liked? We're going to take a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with more. Well, one of them was prior to the movie, uh, there was an announcement that one of my favorite actresses, Jennifer Conley, was going to be in the movie. Well, her role was very different than what I had expected, Uh, but because her role was the uh, uh, girl or woman or an AI called Karen, but she was the uh, AI assistant to Peter Mm -hmm. once he gets the upgraded suit. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool. I, I I heartily agree with you on the Captain American videos. They were so over the top, and they were so ham-fisted, and they were absolutely, you know, Cap. That's exactly how he is, and that's exactly how he talks. Uh, the Stan Lee um, mm-hmm. cameo was very cool. The tech in this, uh, you you saw the upgrades of Peter's suit, and we saw, I think, was one reference to the Iron Spider that we'll see probably down the road. Uh, but he had some really cool upgrades uh, to his suit, particularly uh, that we explored when he was inside the vault uh, in uh, Baltimore, I think. But um, when he was outside Washington uh, chasing the vulture, mm-hmm. the vulture was extremely cool. Um, 
I don't know why, but I had forgotten that uh, that character uh, was Liz's dad. And it was so, a great twist. Really yeah, good twist. Totally that, that caught really me by was. surprise. That really was. And, uh, but, you know, we saw his humanity because when he drops him off and he says he's going to give him the dad talk, he says, I'll give you a pass on this one, kid, because mm-hmm. you took my daughter to her prom. So show her a good time and, you know, leave me alone and we'll, we'll be square. Of course, we knew that wasn't going to happen, but uh, I thought that was a, a really nice twist that showing that the vulture was basically a, a decent human, uh, even if he had been turned uh, into this life of crime because of <clears throat> the evil government and evil Tony Stark. <laughs> uh, the uh, damaged uh, Stark Tower uh, mm-hmm. really wasn't a cookie or an Easter egg. It was, you know, a part of uh, the show, but that was very cool to see that um, after the Battle of New York. Um, Ned uh, Ned beating up uh, one of the bad guys I thought was pretty cool um, as well. And then the, um, the scene at the homecoming where he goes in the library to use the computers and the teacher comes in and, and asks him <laughs> what he's doing and he's like... <gasps> watching porn like yeah rots of ruck with that in a public library kid <laughs> they have things called filters for that but uh nevertheless it was it was a great line because that's what you would expect a teenage boy to be doing in the dark yeah and he's just like what is going to be plausible and also make her not look at my screens <laughs> <laughs> so true so true um this uh this movie, it, it, the other thing I thought, it's really not a cookie, Megan, but in terms of we, uh, you know, I hit upon the other actors who played Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Those, both of those had standalone series. Toby had mm-hmm. a three movie deal or three movie packages, Spider-Man and Andrew had two. Um, and so where I was really intrigued and I thought they pulled it off well how they kind of dropped into the middle of the Spider-Man story. So we didn't have to go through the whole origin story again and picked it up in a way that added some nuance, added some depth and, and breadth and scope, but also made it fresh and new. And the Mm -hmm. other thing I would have to say about Tom Holland, I think he was an amateur gymnast before he became an actor and that it, it shows and he can do moves and make spins and leaps that the normal human being can't even with computer generated <laughs> animation. And so that brings a whole new level of physicality um, to this performance. It's not in terms of dance, but it's really in terms of gymnastics, uh, uh, the spins he does and the things he does. And, and so I thought that was a really underappreciated part of his performance as well. No, I'd agree. And I think the only thing I'd add to that is just the ongoing relationship between uh, Tony Stark and Peter Parker. Uh, they're both really flailing. They're kind of reaching out to have this kind of connection. They both feel a lack in their lives, I think, and they can't quite identify it and they can't quite be open about what they're looking for in each other. But they're finding it and it's delightful. Um, and, and I think some of their, their off-screen interviews together, too. Hilarious. The chemistry is real. <laughs> So how, uh, what did you think of the, uh, the end when um, Tony invites him to join the Avengers, to move upstate to New York, offers him the uh, hypertech suit, uh, and then uh, Peter Parker's response? 
I thought that was great. Um, I, I thought, you know, it was, uh, I liked it on a couple of reasons. I mean, I like that Peter said no. And he's like, no, I've actually got to do this, you know, maybe graduating high school thing, having a life, being with my friends, being with my family. And I like that Tony Stark accepted that um, and totally was like, oh, yeah, you were right. This was a test. It was not real. And you've just passed. Good job. Go go have good life, even though it was 100 percent real. And he completely expected Peter Parker to d- drop everything and become an Avenger. Uh, I, I thought it was a nice little bit of character growth for both of them. Uh, they were both becoming a little bit more adult. Um, and, and Tony like realized right away that Peter was making a better choice for his own life. Uh, even if he would immediately get in trouble with Pepper. Uh, so I, I really liked it. What about you? So I actually, I went a little bit different direction because I agree with everything you said, but I thought it was almost an homage to the origins of Spider-Man as not su- not Avenger superhero, but your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that he said, you know, Brooklyn needs me. And um, that uh, he was going to go back and protect his home. Um, so I really appreciate it from that. Uh, but I have to agree with everything you said. And certainly a moment of, of growth for uh, Peter Parker, which led to the next scene, which uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I've been carrying this around for a while. <laughs> What had Happy been carrying around for a while that Tony whips out uh, to Pepper? Uh, I mean, it's maybe not every woman's dream engagement. (laughs) (laughs) I think deep down she has a strong respect for a good PR play. (laughs) That is possibly the most important consideration. (laughs) Well, well done. Well done. So, uh, Tony, uh, there's a press conference set up to uh, announce Peter Parker joining the uh, Spider-Man joining the Avengers. That bit of news doesn't come to pass. So uh, he proposes to Pepper instead, and I guess they go off to uh, announce their engagement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good times. Well, I think I think this was a winner. Um, it was another one of those ones I didn't expect to like nearly as much as I did. Um, uh, I didn't love the last two kind of reboots of Spider-Man. Um, not nearly as much as I love like the 1960s cartoon, uh, which was phenomenal. Uh, but I, I'll, maybe I just like Tom Holland and I like the, the, the kind of quippy banter, um, that he does so well, but I, I thought this was a great movie. I am invested enough in the characters. I'm looking forward to the next ones. Um, and obviously kind of what they're setting up here for the end of MCU phase one, uh, which we'll be getting to in a little while, Infinity Wars Endgame. Uh, it just, I like these people enough to really care what's going to happen to them. So uh, I'd like to say a few words about MJ. Please do. Because uh, I found her very intriguing. In the comic books, in the cartoon, in the first two iterations of Spider-Man, MJ is the love interest. Mm-hmm. Or crush interest probably would be the better way to phrase it. <laughs> Liz plays that in this movie. Uh, MJ is played by Zendaya, I think mm-hmm. is her name. Uh, and I think she's a singer or actress. Uh, nevertheless, uh I thought it was an inspired choice and I'm not sure if she was acting or that's the way she is, but it doesn't matter because it was a great role and she really stands apart and above everyone else. Part of it, I think is by choice. Part of it, I think is by her. She must have a 200 uh, IQ. Um, (laughs) She's smarter than everyone else. Uh, And literally she, she says more dialogue in raising an eyebrow than mm-hmm. most 30-year actors 
can do. It was really amazing what she could do. And in the few scenes she was, she was in and, and I think she takes over that love interest, crush interest role, uh, in the next, uh, iterations of Spider-Man with, uh, uh, this version of Peter Parker, but I really enjoyed her role. Uh, she really blossomed throughout the movie. Uh, so I wanted to say a few words about MJ as well. I love that she had that kind of, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the black and white morality that so often comes with being a 15 year old, um, but backed up by like good research and really, really intelligent, as you say. Um, and, and I love that they're setting it up to be a relationship that's based out of friendship rather than, uh, you know, just teenage infatuation. I think that that's going to make it a much more satisfying um, story to unfold. Well, Megan, uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will uh, join us again. I'm Tom Fox, uh, the uh, voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, and I look forward to meeting you next time when we are talking about uh, Doctor Strange, which I think is one of your favorites of all time. Yes. (laughs) Till then. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the Marvel Cinematic Universe series. I hope you'll join Megan and I again next week where we take up one of our favorite films, The Black Panther. This special series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you love all things Marvel Cinematic Universe and you'd like to join Megan and I, we'd like to invite you to uh, contact us and perhaps come on the podcast. It's a ton of fun. Uh, you get to rewatch some great movies, and then you get to talk about them on a podcast. So if you have any interest in doing so, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. As Megan said, our next episode we were going to take up is one of my personal favorites, Dr. Strange. I'd also like to tell you about a special podcast series that has premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Corruption Files. In The Corruption Files, I'm joined by Hughes Hubbard partner Mike DeBernardis, and we take a deep dive into some of the most interesting FCPA and international anti-corruption enforcement actions over the past 15 years, which have really created the modern era of FCPA and anti-corruption enforcement. Check out the Corruption Files on the Compliance Podcast Network, Megaphone, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.